All right, Matt. We are back with another episode. Fully in the basketball groove now with all the other sports being not in season for now. But we will still kick off the show with one of our teams we usually talk about. And that will be the Lakers. Uh, Seems like everyone talks about the Lakers. So getting right into it with them. uh, Post All-Star break now had they've played three games um it not the greatest showing i was kind of curious i didn't exactly see what happened but um lebron did not play against the warriors i don't know i think that, that was, was so just, strange uh me. rest i i'm i'm still not entirely sure why he didn't play because he played in the all-star game but played in the All Star game, play... but then they have like that. What is it? They play on Sunday, so he had a nice four, three three day rest, three full days of rest, I believe. Yeah, so, so very I'm interesting. Still not sure, and it was like a late scratch or later scratch too. I'm not sure exactly why he was out. Um, I guess it said he had a left ankle something i don't know how how true that is to be honest but you know what um i can forgive one game even though it's an important stretch i can forgive one game um but they you know so they lose understandably against golden state without lebron they squeak by the spurs at home um i think the spurs are starting to play a little bit better especially around wemby uh, who we can uh, talk to more about or talk more about later uh, as the rookie of the year race starts to come down to the wire. But uh, yeah, that guy is playing insane ball right now. Um, just like ridiculous numbers. Uh, like, I don't even know if it's possible that he surpassed his hype, but with how he's been playing and say the past 10 game five 10 games or so uh i think he's it's like 24 25 points uh double digit rebounds almost five assists and over five blocks a game over five blocks a game yeah uh i, I would think say we're looking outside of Jokic, who's been on a tear wemby has probably been the most impressive post all-star break because i think he had a stat line i think it was against the lakers he had what 20 something points um you know double digit rebounds he had five blocks and five steals which is absurd in the nba because nobody plays defense so he's filling up the stat sheet on both ends that's a that's a pretty impressive feat i mean even for Jokic, right he's the man in the middle but he's an all offensive guy for the most part but Wemby. It's pretty impressive to to put up offensive and defensive numbers like that. So I think to your point, he is he is probably ex, like exceeding expectations at this point. I, I would not be surprised if he's an all star next year. No doubt. Yeah, I don't I don't know how it's possible for him to exceed expectations with all the hype that was around him, but he's somehow doing it. And we'll get more into Wemby um, later as the season goes on. You know probably get into some rookie of the year debate but 
Uh, sticking with the Lakers, they did play tonight against the Suns. Uh, they're on the road, you know, uh, against a good Suns team, but this is one of those games that you really would have liked to see them pull out. Uh, they did, you know, win the series, I believe, against the Suns, uh, three to two now. I don't believe they play them again uh, the rest of the way. So, yeah, we'll take it. But I don't know. To me, this was one of those key games because, like I said, do have a really, really tough stretch coming up. Uh, you know, they play the Clippers on Wednesday. And then you're going to have a string after that or after the Wizards uh, of Nuggets Thunder Kings twice, Bucks, Timberwolves, and Warriors. All in a row, by the way. Um, so luckily that they have an extremely long homestand. Uh, they play most of those teams at home. You know, and the Clippers game, it's, I mean, not a home game, but they're still, you know, in LA. So to me, I'm looking, really looking at that game on Wednesday as kind of a, uh, a test, you know, as to where they're at now because I think Clippers playing really good ball, really want to see how this Lakers lineup, and I think they've solidified it now with their starting five of Reeves, D'Angelo, you go LeBron, Rui, and AD with Tarin Prince coming off the bench and Dinwiddie coming off the bench. That seems like the lineup that they're going to roll with. So going against, you know, a fully loaded Clippers team, I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, If Paul George does play, then the Clippers will be at full strength. Regardless, they're, you know, really good with or without him. Um, But, yeah, I think it'll be a good test for the Lakers. So we'll be watching that game very closely uh, just to see how they do against what I have as one of the top contenders. Uh, in the league overall so are you are you worried that their defense isn't doing so well because i saw that they did give up they gave up like 45 points in a quarter to the suns without bradley beal that i mean i know it's the nba right like it's a high high scoring league now but to give up 45 points in a quarter that's that's a little you know that's a little red flag i think in terms of defense like keep them in the 30s at least you know but that's it's just a lot of inconsistency in that game. I feel like they're yeah, down I, big and they come back and then they get down big again. So, yeah. And I definitely think, you know, um, the offense, I'm honestly not too worried about. Um, you know, they're going to have down nights. It's crazy, like 113 now in the NBA is like a down night, but they're going to have, you know, some down days uh, offensively. I, I do think they have, they're more comfortable you know, in their second year playing with each other, uh, they kind of know how they want to play offensively. Yeah, defensively, I am a little bit worried with the loss of Jared Vanderbilt now. And, you know, we didn't do a ton to bring in another wing defender. Uh, maybe it's just going to be all on Cam Reddish when hopefully he comes back. Uh, probably one of our better wing defenders now at the moment. Uh, I mean, Rui has the height, but he doesn't quite have, you know, that lateral quickness to stay with guys out on the perimeter. But 
Yeah, I'm a little bit concerned because, you know, when we went on that run last year, Jared Vanderbilt played a huge part. You know, he's guarding the best player um, on on offense for the other teams. So we don't really have that guy. <laughs> Probably would have to be Braun. And if he's going to exert himself. You don't want, you don't want that. Yeah, it, you don't want him exerting himself like that on the defensive end. So I am a little bit worried. It might just have to turn into – you know, got to outscore everyone, get to the free throw line because we're not the best three-point shooting team either. So it's going to just be a lot of, you know, controlling the pace, controlling the tempo, uh, getting out on breaks when we can. But I don't think we can play like in Indiana or play like a Sacramento um, and where it's just get the ball and we're running every single time. Uh, I think there's going to have to be – it's going to have to come down to LeBron and AD once again, you know, facilitating and dictating the games on both ends, AD really anchoring that uh, that defensive presence. So, yeah, I am a little bit concerned because, yeah, just no Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, I think it's that's a huge loss. And even where you the Lakers are in the standings, and I talked about it last week, I was like, I would feel com- confident for you as a Laker fan if they can get most likely they would be in the play in, but you really want to be, I think, the seven or the eight seed going into the play in. Just having that that buffer of a game, I feel like, but to sit in that nine, 10 spot, and right now it's looking like Lakers, Golden State, potentially, if things play out. I mean, that's a, <laughs> a winner go, go home game. Just to advance in the plan is pretty, pretty tough task. Pretty tough task to me. So, I don't know. Three games. You're behind three games from the seven and the eight seed right now. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it's kind of a lot in the NBA. I think just because it's it's really hard to make up ground at this stage of the season. So they need to go on some kind of you know like I would say ten and. 10 and four run at least to give them a shot in these next few games, but they got a tough stretch, like you said. So yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think just because of the seeding, but the team itself definitely has the potential, I think to, to beat anybody, but the ground, the ground you got to catch up is it's, it's starting to look a little slim by the game <laughs> to me. Yeah. I think if they go five and five, over the next 10, they're still in striking range um, to catch one of the teams later because their schedule eases up a little bit after these next 10 games, a little bit more winnable games down the stretch. So that's what I'm looking at to go five and five here. You know, I don't think they're going to catch Dallas or Sacramento in this in these next 10 games. But after that, if they can just make a push, and just squeak past one of those guys. We just need one of them to fall off. I mean, Dallas is playing unreal right now, um, mm-hmm. especially if Kyrie stays healthy. So I don't think it's going to be them. Just hoping, you know, the Kings stumble just a little bit. Um, but we'll see. It, key stretch coming up, though, for the Lakers. I'll be watching much more of their games um, here in this 10-game stretch coming up. But going off of that, Matt, why don't we get into uh, some other NBA talk? And we'll start off, you know, since last week we did do 
our top three contenders uh got some mixed feedback um <laughs> on our contenders that but you know what that's good we don't need everyone to agree with us anyway so uh since we talked about the contenders why don't we get to some other teams um that we didn't talk about last week and so matt i'll run through you know uh list off some teams here that are in the playoff hunt for sure uh and we'll each give our assessment of maybe their floor and their ceiling and uh, what we think about each team you know how far could they go or could you see them going and at the very minimum how far are they getting so we'll start in the east um since we talked about boston cleveland the bucks and the knicks those are the four teams we won't be discussing so next team on that list uh the sixers so still without joel Embiid, matt uh, a little bit of a tough one here what do you see the sixers doing i mean everything depends on the health of Embiid. they put it this way they're not going anywhere if he's not on the floor i don't care how good tyrese maxi is Joel Embiid is the best player on the team, possibly in the league. So they need him, but I'm going to assume he comes back somewhat towards the end of the regular season. They can kind of get his feet wet a little bit. So he's going to be there for the playoff run. I do think if he's healthy, that's a big if, I think they could get to the conference finals. I think that's their ceiling. I don't think they're a true, true finals contender, but they can definitely make a run in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So I could see them going to the conference finals if the cards fall their way. Their floor, with how the Pacers are kind of, you know, just hanging around with the injury to Embiid, I do think their floor is the play-in at this point. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think if they make the play-in, they'll probably win one or two games regardless. So they should be in, but I would say their floor is probably an eight seed at this point, in my opinion. I I think that the Sixers, Matt, will be... um, I agree with their floor that you had. Um, But the ceiling-wise, I think regardless of where they place, I think they're a first-round exit. Um, So the reason I say that... with Embiid? Yeah, so the reason I say that is just because of the type of injury that Joel Embiid had, you know, a knee. Um, yeah, okay, so let's say he gets back uh, right towards the end of the regular season. I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in, you know. Um, just because it's the knee, he can't, I don't know how much cardio you can do, you know, as you're rehabbing that thing to get back to regular strength. You know, if he like fractured uh, his hand or an arm, you know, something like that, where he can still be running on the court, he can at least have, you know, retain some of his stamina. Um, I could see, you know, that being less of a factor. But I don't know, going straight into playoff basketball against with how teams in the East, especially like to play, uh, like, you know, say they get matched up with the Pacers or something a team that really likes to run and get out in transition. I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in for a seven game series as well. Uh, that's the only thing that just, it's concerning to me. Um, but honestly, I don't even know if he's going to come back in time. We we just really don't know either. So uh, that's why, unfortunately I have them 
not getting out of the first round anyway. Um, but yeah, moving down on the list, Matt, another interesting one, the Miami Heat. So what are your thoughts on the Heat? Ooh, Miami. This team, uh, they're so tough to predict because they always make these runs, like these Cinderella runs when they're really low, you know, in the regular season and they just kind of shoot up at the right time. So I don't know if I'm going to like take the bait already, but there's something about Miami when you just sleep on them. They just come and get you when you least expect it. So as a six seed, just hear me out. I, I think their floor or their, their ceiling, I think their ceiling is honestly an NBA finals appearance. I don't think they're deep enough to, to win, but if I'm just looking at the playoff picture as it is today, they're the sixth seed. Who do they play in the first round? The Milwaukee Bucks. They have that team's number. And I said the Bucks are one of my contenders, the firepower, but that's some bad matchup on paper for the Bucks. So do I think the Heat can beat that team? Yeah, they've proven that they can. So there's something about that matchup. And then from there, you win run, you get more confidence. And with Jimmy Butler on your team in the playoffs, he's kind of proven that he can kind of take a team on a couple of series and just say, get on my back and I'm going to take us home. So I still think the heat culture is there. The core is there. Bam, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, the, those guys are still there. So, and they have Terry Rozier, who's a nice player too. Gritty, tough, tough-minded player. So I think, their ceiling is definitely a finals appearance, but their floor, I wouldn't go as far as the plane. I think they'll avoid the plane, but I think their floor is probably a first round exit. Just seeing how deep the top of the East is. Yeah, I agree with you um, for the ceiling. <laughs> Honestly, just because something about the East, you know, um, none of the teams scare me. Like as crazy as that sounds, and I should be respecting a, a lot of the teams, you know, a lot more. But something about Boston, I and I know they're good. Like, I know Boston is good, Matt. And they're great at home. Um, I mean, they're playing just unreal right now. You know, uh, best record in the league. They got Chris Stops. They got Drew Holiday. But I just... I don't know. It, it's just a weird, weird feeling that I have with Boston. And I don't have that fear factor from the Bucks that I used to, you know, with Giannis and Dame. Because, um, you know, they've been a little wishy-washy with Doc at the helm. So I do, you know, also see Miami potentially making another run, you know, playoff Jimmy. We know we know what he's like in the playoffs. And I think the re-emergence uh, of Duncan Robinson – who's been playing, you know, rejuvenated basketball this year. Uh, the addition of Terry Rozier, you know, you still got guys like uh, Jaime Jaquez, you know, to provide a spark off the bench. You give Eric Spolstrom and Jimmy Butler a chance, you know, in a seven-game series for him to be able to, I think, Eric Spolstrom's ability to adjust within a game, within a series, we've seen how good he can be and – I, I agree. I think uh, their floor or their ceiling is a finals appearance. Um, Floor-wise, I think I 
I truly think that if they stay right there in the middle of the pack, you know, six, five seed, um, shoot, I think, I think they come out with a first round playoff, uh, victory in, in the first round, just because I think they will catch the Sixers. So they'll be the five. I don't think they'll catch the Knicks. So I think as the five, uh, they're going to play, you know, the, the four. The Knicks, the or Knicks, would it be right? the Knicks? Uh, yeah, I guess it would be the At Knicks. At this point. But, um, well, I, I don't know. I just think that whoever they play, unfortunately, um, is probably going to get bounced you know, out in the first round. Uh, might be the Bucks. Honestly, I like. I think that's the Bucks' worst nightmare right now. Yeah, I think if, so too. If the Heat get matched up with them, so yeah, give me uh the Heat winning their first round. Um, and then we'll go a little bit quicker here, kind of on the bubble teams, because I don't know how far we have them going, but uh, we'll go with the Pacers next. Matt, uh, what do you think about them? Pacers. I think they're ceiling. Hmm, like I like Halliburton, but the injuries I'm seeing just just not not being able to stay on the court consistently has been a problem. I think, and even with the Pacers, I think Naismith has been injured a lot, so they're battling the injury bug. I think maybe just maybe if the Sixers fall, you know, with Embiid's injury, they can sneak into a top six seed. That would be their ceiling for me. But their floor is definitely a play-in. Like, they win the play-in, and then they get bounced in the first round. I don't see them getting past the first round in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think, um, same for me, their floor uh, would definitely be getting uh, that 7 or 8 seat in the playoffs, winning the play-in game. I, I don't know. I think they can. they pose a matchup problem. It's the Bucks again. I think if they get matched up with the Bucks somehow, because they've had the Bucks' number all year. Weirdly, um, I think their ceiling, absolute ceiling, is one uh, playoff series win. That's the most I can see them going. So yeah, I agree. Or um, I can see them winning one there. If they match up against the Bucks, you don't think they can beat any other team? Well, no, no. I think I think they can, but. I, I think just one one series that's that's all I'm I'm giving them because um, like I said this it's a floor and ceiling so each team could win you know a playoff series but moving okay. on uh, we got okay. the magic Matt what do you think about <laughs> the magic I mean they're very similar to me with the Pacers kind of young inexperienced they got each team has a young star to really focus on they have. Paolo Bencaro, first time All-Star this year. I don't see them making a deep run. I just think you do need some experience to advance in the playoffs to make a deep run. So their ceiling, probably you win the play-in, you advance, you get knocked out by the Celtics or something like that. The floor, I think their floor is pretty safe right now. I think they go no lower than the eight seed. They've got a, what is that, a four and a half game lead between the eight and nine seed with the Bulls. So I don't see them dropping that much in the standings. So the floor, probably an eight seed, but I, I don't see them getting past um, the play-in. Like they win the play-in and that's it. <laughs> They're getting knocked out in the first round. 
Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with you there for the ceiling. Uh, I think they have a chance if they are the the seven or eight seed. Uh, I do believe that their ceiling is they're winning that game. They're not making it any further. Uh, just too much youth. Uh, I think they will build around Paulo, though. I think he's a stud. Um, so they have a bright future. But the floor is interesting to me, Matt, because I honestly think the floor for them is they don't even make uh, the playoffs at all. I could eat, you know, I could see them in a one game series against Indiana. If we're assuming it's Indiana, they lose to them. And, you know, Chicago and Atlanta, yeah, they're. They're not the best teams, you know, on paper, but you got a guy like DeMar uh, with a really veteran group around him. Same with Trey, you know, Trey Young gets slept on a lot in the East, but he's proven that, you know, he can take down the top dog uh, when given the chance. You know, he kind of shows up in the big moments late in games as well. I just don't think Orlando is going to have enough uh experience like you said matt we are both pretty big on experience so i my floor for them is they lose both both of the playing tournament games and they don't make wow. it ouch yeah so with that being said we'll move on to chicago what do you think the, the i mean i don't think they're gonna go anywhere at this point they're they're the nine probably gonna stay at the nine so their ceiling is Maybe they get lucky. They win against the Hawks in that 9-10 matchup. They win one game, and then I think they lose to the Pacers' magic loser at this point of the season. So they don't even make it out of the plane. Their floor, that's the same as their ceiling, honestly. They're going to stay at the ninth seed. I think they stay at the ninth seed regardless because Atlanta, they're sitting at the 10, two games back, but Trey Young is out for over a month now, which is a long time with the NBA season kind of finishing up. So I don't think Atlanta's going to catch them without their best player. So I think they're pretty comfortably at the nine spot for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to have to agree with you there. Um, yeah. Without Trey, I think the ceiling, absolute ceiling is they win one game. Uh, like I said, but I don't know. Um, no, you know what? Actually, I take that back. I, I think their ceiling is they win the first one against, you know, as the nine or the 10 seed. But I think they will keep either the nine or the 10. And I can see them beating whoever the seven or eight is, considering Trey Young is back healthy. But that's it. That's the absolute most I'm giving them uh, in a series. I don't see them going any further. And then the floor. Uh, honestly, same thing. Um, oh, sorry, we're talking about Chicago. What am I saying? Um, yeah, with Chicago. I was following. I was following. <laughs> uh, sorry. Because honestly, it's the same. The Chicago and Atlanta for me, they have the same ceiling, same floor. Um, I think they both can uh, win two games in a row in the playing tournament, but that's it. But I could also, you know, their floor is all, they're just, both inconsistent this year. So I can also, their floor to me is um, both of them, you know, falling out of the playing tournament. So I think we're pretty, yeah, East is pretty clear cut. I think top heavy, uh, mm -hmm. weaker on the bottom. 
but the west on. is when it gets yeah a little yeah, interesting this one's a little here. bit tougher uh so we'll move on to the west which is as usual uh extremely close coming down the stretch here so we did talk about weirdly the clippers the nuggets uh the lakers and the suns so with that being said uh i guess we do have to go and address the other top teams which we did not get to talk about uh, and that would be the one seed minnesota timberwolves matt so what do we got for them <laughs> They're the one seed in the West, in the loaded Western Conference. Their ceiling has to be at least a conference finals for me. You're the number one seed. You're going to play every game or every round at home. I think that's that's a reasonable thing for a young team like the Timberwolves. Um, Ant-Man is, is the guy. Cat is playing like an all-star. He was an all-star this year. And then Gobert. I think Gobert is kind of they're kind of figuring out how to play with each other with the two bigs. Um, and I really like Mike Conley. I know he's an old vet. He's not going to do anything splashy, but he's mighty consistent. And you want a guy, a veteran guy in that locker room. He's perfect, perfect fit for that team. So I see the ceiling as a conference finals appearance as a number one seed. The floor, however, is I could see them losing in the first round of the playoffs. Depending on who the matchup is, maybe it's the Warriors, the Lakers, I don't know. Those playing teams are pretty experienced with guys who've won championships before, and you're going up against a team that really, okay, yeah, some guys have made the playoffs, but they haven't accomplished anything in the playoffs. So it's that experience versus youth. It's like last year, the Memphis Grizzlies against the Lakers. Youth versus experience, and experience won. So I think their floor is definitely they go one and done in the playoffs against a veteran team. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think I just have to agree with you there. I was debating conference finals. I you know what? I, I don't even think that their ceiling is a conference finals yet, Matt. Um I do really like Ant. And I think he is going to be the focal point of their team moving forward, you know. Um, But I just think that, you know, there's just too many other good teams for me in the West. I do think they um, make it past the first round. Um, I don't think they can. I I don't see them winning that second round matchup um, against whoever it is, you know, they play. Because at, at that point, it'll be, you know, four top teams in the West, right? So I just don't don't see them coming out against whoever is left, um, unfortunately for them. But the floor also, like you said, Matt, uh, with just how the West is, you still got the Lakers, you still got the Warriors, and the other two teams are, are tough too. Yeah, um, record doesn't mean as much, I feel like, anymore in the West. So... Uh, I'll agree with you there that, yeah, the floor is probably first-round exit. Um, but, yeah, uh, moving on to the Thunder, Matt. What do you think about the Thunder? Ooh, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as what I said about the Timberwolves. Right? It's a young team, not too much playoff experience. They they got a veteran guy at the trade deadline in Gordon Hayward. But 
Mm, how how far is that youth gonna take them? Because the playoffs is a totally different story. Um, they got a guy right, and Anthony Edwards for the Timberwolves, Shea for the Thunder. You know he's a top five player in the league. Honestly, possibly you can argue that. But just like the Timberwolves, I, I think their peak, their ceiling, is the conference finals. Just because they have the opportunity to play at home for two rounds in the playoffs. And I think home field, I should say home court advantage, is a huge thing in basketball. Just with the crowd noise, it it makes a difference. And OKC, that's one of the most raucous crowds that you can be behind. So you have them at home, I think they're good enough to make a conference finals appearance. I don't say NBA finals because I think there's other teams out there like the Nuggets, the Clippers that have the experience that can take that over the top. But I see I see them making a deep run potentially. But just like the Timberwolves, I could see them losing in the first round easily. It's just it really just depends on the matchup and these playing teams. They have so many championship like championship experienced teams with veteran leaders that know how to win and that's a scary thing if you're a young team going into the playoffs so i definitely could see their floor as a first round exit yeah um i think weirdly i'm gonna i agree with the floor but the ceiling uh i trust i don't know why but i trust them a little bit more than the timberwolves um I don't know. I just think that their offense flows a little bit better. Um, and they're they just put up more points, you know. Um, and so I I think the Timberwolves defense is is what's gonna carry them, you know. But uh when you double at who, you know, who do you got? You're gonna rely on Cat as your second guy. Uh okay, but you know, weirdly. You're gonna double Shea, right? You got Chet, who can has proven, I think, is a little bit when not more, yeah, not more skilled than Cat per se, because I mean, Cat still is you know an all star, but um, with just how this young team has really came come together, um, just I I just have them going to the conference finals as uh, my ceiling for them. So okay, we'll skip over the three, four, and the five. The Pelicans. This is a this is a weird one too, Matt. Uh, what do you got for the Pelicans? The Pelicans. I think their ceiling. Their ceiling is right where they are, right now. I think their ceiling is they make the playoffs, avoid the play in, and they lose in the first round. There's something about this team. I I just I'm not sold on this team at all. When your best player is in and out of the lineup, the media is just bashing him. Right? There's a lot of things that I hear about, oh, this team is kind of divided. Like, it's not what you want to hear going into the playoffs. So I think they're they're lucky that they're in the sixth seed right now. I think that's the highest they get. I think their ceiling is six seed, one and done in the playoffs. Their floor, I do think their floor is definitely... I could see them potentially dropping to a nine or a 10 seed in the play-in and you go one and done in the play-in. I really think that's their floor for the exact same reasons. 
Zion. He's the he's the key to this whole thing. If he stays healthy, I think they're good enough to maybe hold off those playing teams right now. But I, I just don't know. I, I really don't know about Zion. He's like one day he's going to score 30, and then the next day, oh, he's out. Load management, or he's hurt. Something's banged up. He's out for a week. Like there's 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 no floor with that guy. I think it's just so it, it's a roller coaster, really. So I'm gonna ride that roller coaster. I'm gonna say they're a one and done playing team as their floor. Yeah, I'll just keep it short and sweet, Matt. I was gonna say the same thing. I don't see them winning a first round. Uh, series a seven game series don't see it happening uh and yeah i also don't see or i also could see them you know faltering down the stretch in the regular season uh so yeah i agree with you there um next matt we got the kings we got on the Kings. Kings is a tough very explosive team i, I think their ceiling definitely i i could see them winning or I could say they're avoiding the play-in. They sneak into that maybe six seed. And I think they have the potential to win a playoff series. I think they're very explosive. Fox is just an animal. Sabonis has been out of his mind, although we will have to see how he plays in the playoffs because it's a different story. And we know last year he had those demons against the Warriors. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But as of right now, he's playing really well. They got a nice tandem. Nice core group to build around those two. I think they can potentially win a series in the playoffs. Their floor, not too much of a drop-off. I think the lowest they get is maybe an eight seed. But I think they survive the play-in regardless. Whether they lose or they lose the first game, they win the second game. I, I think they'll make it out of the play-in as their floor. As my floor, I should say. Yeah, I... I think with the Kings, uh, same here. Their floor, uh, they'll get out as a seven or the eight seed. Um, you know, man, no. See, this is so. These are tough. This is these, this these is guys are tough, man. Oh, okay. Well, okay. We're talking floor and ceiling, so I think honestly, I'll just make it easy. Seven. The Kings, the Mavs, and the Warriors, obviously their floor is going to be them getting, you know, bounced out of the playing tournament. Because out of those four, out of the four teams, seven through 10 right now, I could see any possibility happening, honestly. Uh, whoever, whatever two teams move on will not, it won't be a shocker. Um, so I'll just keep it simple. Kings, Mavs, and the Warriors, their floor is getting bounced out in whatever order it may be. Uh, but the Kings, uh, just sticking to their ceiling, Matt, uh, I think, man, I, I, I think they'll give one of these top teams trouble. I do think they can win one series. Um, I like Darren Fox. I like Sabonis. I like how, you know, they play. So I do think, you know, they can steal one series but that's all i'm giving them there matt uh yeah i just can't put enough faith in them uh making a deep run into the postseason and then for me uh same for the mavs although i something about the mavs this year if Kyrie stays healthy i truly do think 
that their ceiling uh, is the conference finals. I don't know if I'm ready to say finals wow. for them. <laughs> um, but it is going to be 100% a Luka and Kyrie show. If those two stay healthy, I think their ceiling is the conference finals. I think they can score with anyone um, through seven games. You know, that's kind of the the beauty of it now. It's if Luka doesn't have it for that one game and Kyrie can pick up the slack uh, scoring wise, then that that one game is is kind of what cost, you know, the Mavs uh, previously. Right. When if Luka can't do it all by himself, well, Good luck. But now it's kind of like uh, he has Kyrie, you know. And I really do think that if they're if if they stay healthy, they can make it to the conference finals, but they'll run out of steam there. So that's what I got for the Mavs. Okay. Now I'm not going to go conference finals for the Mavs. I'm going to be like the Kings. I think they can potentially get one series just because of their offense alone, it's just ridiculous at this point. But I'm a guy, I still think you need a defensive presence somewhat, and I'm, I'm not seeing it solely too much. Maybe Derek Lively is kind of like their answer, that like he can be a rim protector, but I don't know. I don't know who I'm going to get on the wings that can that can stop guys like Kawhi, KD, Paul George, LeBron, you know, Steph. So, I, I it hard, it's hard for me to give them more than that, but I do think they have the firepower to win a playoff series. Like you said, the floor, I definitely could see them being bounced out in the plane. They could drop potentially to a nine, but not farther than that, I think. But they could lose that game and be out <laughs> of the plane for sure, just like that. Okay, sounds good. Um, and then our last team... Kind of interesting here, the Warriors. Um, I can't. I mean, if if Clay becomes Clay again, and I don't even need twenty five points, Clay. I just need a solid fifteen to twenty on you know forty five percent total shooting, not fifteen to twenty on three of fifteen from the floor. If I get, you know, 15 to 20 from Clay and Steph stays healthy, I can see them going back to the the finals. Uh, like, honestly, how can you count out the Warriors? Um, seems like Kuminga has taken over that third, uh, you know, kind of scoring role now, even sometimes second scoring role. Uh, Wiggins hasn't been as involved you know, uh, this year, but I still think defensively, uh, with how athletic Kuminga and Andrew Wiggins are, uh, yeah, they still got Chris Paul that can come back to. It's just a scary, um, scary time if the Warriors start getting it going again. So I'll just say it's like when Tom played, right? You can't ever count him out. I think they can make it all the way to the finals. Yeah, well, you took the words right out of my mouth. This is probably the biggest gap out of all the teams that I'm going to say. I'm with you. I, I think the Warriors, their ceiling is making it to the NBA finals, which is absurd for a 10 seed at this point. But 
yeah, Clay, Clay is kind of the key. I think Kaminga has kind of grown. We know what you're going to get from Draymond on the defensive end. But if Clay can get it going, like you said, look out. Because Steph Curry right now, he's aging. He's getting better with age. It's like LeBron. I don't know. They're aging like fine wine at this point. Like he's making the shots in the clutch, I think. He's demanding the ball when it counts. He's making the, the right plays. He's efficient. I mean, he's more of a leader, I would say. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And like you said, Chris Paul, I totally forgot about Chris Paul. And they're not, he is not even on the team right now, you could say. But he comes back. You have another floor general. And hey, say Clay doesn't have it. Well, guess what? Chris Paul can run the point and Steph can, he can play like Clay too. <laughs> like he can be a two guard and, you know, run off screens and, and get open threes. So it's like they have so many ways to beat you i think so it's a scary team scary team but their floor they are the 10 seed they could easily lose one game in the plane and be out of the the playoffs for good so yeah i think that's the biggest gap that we've had finals and uh knocked out in the in the plane and one and done so yeah crazy how deep the west is this year I will say yeah. I will say this though the NBA is drooling right now if they get this play in matchup <laughs> like you get LeBron say KD goes to the play in like you get LeBron Steph KD Luca like oh my goodness the NBA would be just throwing a party in their office yeah yep well guess we'll see how it plays out Matt but I think that was a pretty good run of the other teams so uh, that went kind of long. So why don't we move to our next topic then instead? Um, UH basketball, what updates do you have for us for our uh, basketball team? Well, UH had one game this weekend on Saturday against their rivals, Long Beach State. A tough one because Long Beach was fourth coming into the game. UH was sitting at six, so... UH does win 75-63. Uh, they actually don't gain any ground. But, you know, a win is a win. They kind of just keep stabbing off that elimination, <laughs> you know, from uh, not potentially making the Big West tournament. But it was a it was a fast start, I guess you could say, because Justin McCoy was just a beast, honestly, in the first half. He finished the game with 26 points. He was aggressive. He was going inside using his size, which is what I've been crying for him to do. And he's finally been doing it over the past couple of weeks instead of just camping out on the three-point line. So I don't know. I, I think the offense is going to go through him at this point. He's he's kind of shown me that he can score from all levels at this point. He's a 85% free throw shooter. So if he gets fouled, I, I got faith in him that he can knock it down. Um but he was really the key offensively, getting us going. Um, Noel got going kind of late in the second half, as I guess you could say per usual. But the one thing that was a little concerning when I was watching is they had a big lead in the Long Beach. They started pressing UH, and they really struggled against breaking the press. And they really did just survive the game, literally. I mean, I think if the game was another five minutes, they would potentially lose this game um there was no answer for the press um even Juan Munoz Juan Munoz kind of struggled with the press um you know UH was getting into their offensive sets with like 14 13 seconds left so 
I don't know how many times they shot the ball with under two seconds left on the shot clock. And it's like bad shots, you know, chucking up step back threes or contested shots, very high, uh, low percentage shots. And it kind of shows for some of these guys. Right? Munoz was three of 11. Like, ooh, that's that's not a good st- stat line. Two of 10 from three. So he's not being able to create separation. So I just think that's the one area that I was like, this is going to be a problem. Because if teams watch this, I would literally do this if I was UC Davis on Thursday, who they play next. Press them, you know, make them get into their sets late and just hope that they take bad shots. And I I think they're capable of going on cold spells as we've seen this year. So that's the one area I think Ganat needs to fix. But a win is a win. They do go on the road next week, their last home excuse me, their last road uh, road tour of the season. They go on the road to play UC Davis and UC, I think it's Riverside. So easily two games that they could potentially lose. So like I always say, you play good two teams on the road, just find a way to split. I don't care which one it is, just, just find a way to split. And then you come back home for your last two games and you win both of those. So if you can finish this last four games, three and one, I think that's a good way to go into the conference tournament. But they had one game this week, so they went undefeated this week. So that's a good sign, I think, for the Bobes. And I will say one thing, Ganat is finally sticking with a lineup. We've had the same lineup for multiple weeks now. So I think just my word of advice, Coach Ganat, just stick with this lineup. I think you've found the rotation that you need going into the conference tournaments. Stick with it. Let them build. Let them build. I think they're they're finding their stride slowly. But so what we'll see. happened to we'll see. Javon? Then is he just benched? So interesting because he was sh- he was hurt, so he had a shoulder injury. He was out for a couple weeks, but he played like a little bit this game. Like he came in with maybe like two minutes left in the first half. I, I like I thought like oh my god he's he's dressed. Like I saw him dressed. I thought he was gonna play potentially start, but. He sat on the bench the whole first half and then he came in, you know, two minutes left. And then he, yeah, he just, he wasn't really playing from what, but what Ganat said on the post game radio show is that he's working his way back slowly from his injury. So I don't know if it's like a, you know, they just have the, they have the training wheels on for him yet, but. Yeah, he's coming back from an injury. I, I I think he's gonna get his way back in the rotation somehow. I don't think he's gonna start though, however, so I think it's gonna be cutting into Cody Williams's minutes potentially. But yeah, Javon is working his way back from injury, so would not shock me if he has a minutes increase in the next couple games. But yeah, he he, he really didn't play, so yeah, I don't know. We don't need him, honestly. I mean, this team, this this has been the team that's been kind of getting us on the ropes. So I don't want to say, you know, sit out for the rest of the season, but, you know, you don't want to be that guy that disrupts someone's momentum. And then, you know, your team is playing pretty well, probably the best it's been this season. And I just don't want that to to disrupt the, the chemistry that these guys have had. Because Cody Williams, he's been playing really well. I think he's earned the right to keep playing in these games off the bench. So... It'll be interesting to see, uh, but that that's not my decision. That's Ganat. If I, I already said, if I was the coach, I would just play what you got. 
it's working. Don't break it. Don't fix it. And if Javon is still hurt, he's, it seems like he's just working his way back. Don't force him. He can practice. <laughs> play, play, practice scrimmages, whatever. But don't disrupt this team's chemistry. That's winning games. I think that's the worst thing you can do as a coach. Okay. Well, yeah, hopefully UH can keep some of this momentum going moving forward uh, as we come down the home stretch here of the regular season in basketball. But switching over to our other UH sport, uh, baseball. And honestly, hey, got to like what we're seeing out of uh, the boys on, you know, in the less so far. So, you know, we come off the, the split against Ole Miss. Uh, NC State ranked number 13 in the country coming in. Uh, and we give them, you know, all they could handle, I would I would say. Uh, you know, we did drop the series, uh, you know, only winning one. But, hey, we got a win in there. And we we're competitive, you know, fairly competitive um, in the other two games, more so that last one um, that got stopped due to time or something like that. Crazy, I don't even I know. really understand. I didn't even know they were, they're calling it like a like a curfew or something. Yeah, they had to catch their flight back home. That's so they were going to miss it. So I was like, what the heck? Like, why don't you guys start the game earlier? Like, yeah, that, I don't... that's dumb. And. You know, it's a close game too. Like, oh, really? Like, UH is on a roll at that point. So, yeah. So that's an come interesting on NCAA, one. do better. I, I can't. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, but that was an interesting way to end that series. But I mean, sound seems like we can hit uh, this year. I think that's probably going to be the recipe for success. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just gonna we if we can hit with everyone. Hey, maybe. You never know what can happen, right? Come conference play time. But I gotta say, um, so far, we're, I, I'm I'm very impressed with you know playing two big name schools off the jump. Granted, it's you know at home, but hey, for for them to put up you know this showing through our first uh, seven games, Matt, I think there's a lot to be encouraged of uh, moving mm-hmm. forward, and I'll be looking forward to this season for sure. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say about UH that was impressive, I mean, I think they were going to win by playing small ball, right? Manufacturing runs, which is really what their identity is. They don't have guys that's going to hit like 20 home runs a season. They got some big guys, but not true power home run hitters. So they're going to have to, you know, take the extra base, move guys up, gap to gap. But the one thing that I really am liking so far about this team is the resilience. I mean, I, I went to that Friday night game, the the high scoring, you know, ridiculous shootout. But they were down, you know, 17, 8, 17. Like they were down or maybe like 14, 9. You know, the game was like kind of slipping away. But they came back. They crawled back. You know, they made it interesting. They had the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth. Right. So you grand slam away from being, you know, within a run. And then. You know, you fast forward the next game, they end up winning, but they were down. They rallied in the bottom of the eighth. Like they take the lead third game. Same thing, right? They're down early, but they come back late. Maybe we don't know because they stopped the game, but maybe they win that game with the momentum, how they were coming back. So I just think if you have a resilient team, that's just not going to quit. That's going to bode well for you in the long run. And 
you're doing this against number 13 in the country, and you did it against Ole Miss, who's in the SEC, arguably one of the best powerhouse conferences in base college baseball. I, I mean, they're not projected to be a top SEC team. I think they're more on the bottom half, but still, nonetheless, it's a very impressive showing. I think if you can keep showing resiliency, especially in conference play, which is all that matters at this point, this team can make a run. I, I don't know what the rules are for the Big West tournament, but I think it's top four. If you're if you finish top four in your conference, you have a chance to to play for the conference tournament, and then obviously win that you go to the you know the NCAA tournament. So for this team, yeah, I think it's growing on the state of Hawaii, which is nice to see because we haven't had baseball excitement really. I would say since Colton Wong was here, <laughs> and that was ten years ago. So. It's good to see. Good to see the local boys kind of putting baseball back on the map in the islands. Yep, always good when baseball is is big here. Um, but yeah, ho- hopefully they can carry this momentum uh, into their next games and then into conference play. So we'll keep an eye on them as we go on. But let's get to our last uh, big sporting topic here, Matt. So spring training uh, underway now. I mean, I don't even watch the regular season, so I'll tell you how that should tell you how much I watch spring training. Like I said, how, you know, with baseball, yeah, let me know when it's August, right? Because I mean, I'm spoiled. I'm a Dodgers fan. You're spoiled too, in a sense, although it's been a little dicier on your end uh, with making the playoffs and everything like that. But hey, let let us know when it's August. That's when games start to really pick up and have a little bit more weight and meaning to it. Uh, but, you know, this is assuming your team is going to handle business in, uh, you know, April, May, June, July. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a spoiled spoiled uh, baseball fan take there. But uh, spring training underway, Matt. Yankees, uh, Juan Soto looking pretty good. I, I think there's a excitement around this team now. Um, but what, what do you think? How are you feeling as a Yankees fan kind of going into spring training now? Uh, I mean, I feel better than I did at the end of last season, obviously, and even in the off season, right? I, I mean, we're kind of seeing these pieces come to play, you know, just seeing how these guys, I mean, the wins and losses really means nothing to me in the preseason. Just stay healthy, get your reps in. Um, but I mean, like you said, Juan Soto, it's preseason or spring training, not going to jump through the roof, you know, but he, he did an opposite field home run off the scoreboard, opposite field off the scoreboard, which is ridiculous power. Um, but small sample size. I I think this team and some of these hitters may be taking a different approach, which is good to see. And it's not always, oh my gosh, I need to hit the home run every single time I come up to the plate. No, it's, um, you know, there's a guy on third. How do I get this guy in? Glaber Torres is a perfect example. I think his preseason game, he had second and third, no outs or one out. Ground ball to second base. Just take the run. Drive him in. Don't strike out. Small ball. Same thing comes up next inning. Had a run run third, less than two outs. Sack fly goes the other way. So Rizzo, Rizzo did the same thing. Had a similar situation. It's a ground ball up the middle. So 
if I see those guys take that approach, we're going to win a lot of games because we're that good offensively where, yeah, the home runs are going to come. But you just cannot leave those guys on base, especially with less than two outs. That's what honestly can make or break your season from making the postseason and not making the postseason. So if these Yankees hitters can continue to build on that approach, practice those situations in spring training, I think this offense will be will be just fine. Verdugo is, you know, he's getting his stride going. The pitching has been a little, eh, like, okay, that's a little bit of a red flag. But that kind of brings me back to the point where I think we're one one starter away. And I'm still, I'm so dumb, I guess you could say. But I always fall for the media bait. And I'm like, gosh, if we just get Blake Snell, this team is locked and loaded. And you can go in in the trade deadline, fill in a reliever, you know, just pieces here and there. You don't need to make the big splash. You need to make that one sneaky move that nobody really talks about, but it's a good move. You know, a solid reliever in your bullpen, something like that. But you can get Blake Snell and really solidify the rotation. Oh, man, that's going to be huge. And, hey, those guys are signing right now. They got to sign soon. So I was wrong. I thought he was going to sign by the end of the week last week. But I'm just I'm just waiting. It, like, it has to be this week, right? He has to sign this week with somebody. So I'm just crossing my fingers at this point that it's with the Yankees and it's a short-term deal so we don't get stuck with that bad contract. But, hey, Blake Snell's out of options at this point. He's got to make a choice. And what better pace to to compete for a championship than New York? So, yeah, I'm excited. Good, good start so far to spring training. And the young guys are playing well. Spencer Jones looks like the next Aaron Judge. So, good good stuff so far in spring training. I believe Yoshimo- uh, Yamamoto is also is in line to start for the Dodgers tomorrow. Um, and I think Shohei is set to make his debut as well. So I'm sure it'll be a extremely packed spring training game uh, for the Dodgers. But kind of crazy, Matt. Um, you know, looking at this team now, we did make a move today. Uh, Margot traded to the Twins. Thank you for your service. Uh, service we, of what we One also game. do, <laughs> we but we get to bring Kike back, uh, which I think is a huge piece, yeah, for his you know utility role, but just the energy that he brings to that Dodgers clubhouse fan favorite. You know, he brings the energy, uh, to the stadium, to the fans, and I just think he's a great guy to have in the clubhouse when. Honestly, there's going to be a lot of pressure this year and there will probably be some time, you know, when this team starts to feel it a little bit, uh, whether it's, you know, down the stretch of the regular season or, you know, at some point in the postseason. I think he's a good balance because I think, you know, Freddie, pretty serious, uh, you know, guy handles his business really well. Mookie, you know, he's not the most verbal guy, but you, you can tell he's a you know solid presence to have in the clubhouse Shohei as well you know we know what kind of demeanor he's going to bring so having you know guys like Kike uh, I think it's going to be good for the team to kind of provide a little bit of juice in the dugout um, and so excited for that and yeah Matt I mean 
honestly, this team, uh, pitching wise, arguably the best, you know, starting roster in baseball, I would say. Um, you know, Yamamoto, we'll see how he pans out because it's funny, I believe he's actually the youngest um Dodger on the projected uh roster, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, he's 25. So I I looked him up, actually. He's only two days older than me. So that's kind (laughs) of crazy to put into perspective because, I mean, he's 5'10", like 180. Uh, So he's like only two inches taller than me, two days older than me, and he's pitching for the Dodgers. So it's like... Could have been you. (laughs) Man, like, yeah, it's a little sad to think about uh, how I didn't get blessed with the genetics or uh health to be able to play um baseball at a professional level but anyway uh i just think that's interesting yeah um but you know yamamoto if it's him or glass now at the one yeah just any version of that one two punch is gonna be fun to see couple that with bobby miller who i think is gonna have a great year you know um really get to grow uh without all the pressure that he's going to have to feel of, you know, carrying this team like he did in the playoffs. And then you got Clayton Kershaw on the back end uh, kind of rounding it out. I don't know if Walker Bueller is going to be ready uh, quite yet. We'll have to see. But we also have some of the young guys as well. So, yeah, uh, feeling really, really good, Matt, about this team. Uh and I, I can't wait for opening day because I will be watching that opening week at least. Um, you know, it's just it's a just, late game in Korea when they play the yeah. Padres. Well, I will try to watch it then. How about that? Uh, but yeah, excited to see uh, how this team uh, plays out. But Matt, uh, last topic here. So one of the big free agency signings uh, happened. Was it today or yesterday? Like early yesterday, I believe. Um, Yeah, Cody Bellinger rejoins the Cubs. Three years, $80 million. So pretty good contract size for for Cody, I would say. Uh, Just, you know, under that $30 million a year mark. Uh, I I think, you know, he was going to get a fairly good deal. But I think this is almost a best of both worlds case for him because it's a three-year deal um but he also has opt-outs after the first two years so you know maybe he was looking for a long-term extension cubs weren't really ready to quite bite on that so i think he has uh more time to give him get himself another prove it deal and then you know turn maybe this season if he plays at that same level into another you know, eight year, something like that contract with another team. So happy for Cody. Uh, I think it's a good move for the Cubs, but I don't know if it's going to, how much it'll move the needle per se for the Cubs, but I, I still think this was a key signing in, uh, in getting him back. So um, yeah, Matt, other than that, uh, why don't we just wrap up with a really, really quick uh, game here because the MLB came out with their top 10 uh, players 
heading into this season. So I'll just run from 10 through one, and then we can give who we feel would be in our top, we'll say top five, not top 10. But uh, at 10, we got Julio Rodriguez. Nine, your guy, Garrett Cole. Number eight, Jordan Alvarez of the Astros. Number seven, your new guy, Juan Soto. Uh, number six, Corey Seager. Uh, at five, we got Freddie. Four, we have Shohei. Surprised he was at four there. Uh, three, your main guy, Aaron Judge. Uh, two, Mookie Betts. And one, Ronald Acuna. So, Matt, with that being said, uh, any, I don't know, the top five, pretty solid. Would you change anything? What do you think? See, the only thing that makes it tricky is if Otani, like I'm assuming they did this ranking that he's not pitching mm-hmm. this year because I guess theoretically he has to be one if he can do both. But in the case that he's not this year, like it's just hard for me to put a DH as a as a top five player. Like I, I just don't not hating on him. I, I just it's hard for me to have a DH as a top five player because I want my guys to be able to do things on both ends. Obviously, if Shohei pitches, totally different story. If he's number one, I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. But physical limitations with his injury, I I can't put him in my top five. So, with that being said. I would have to move up Juan Soto to five. Like I, I would put Soto over Seager, in my opinion. So you move Freddie to four from five to four, and then you bump up Soto from seven to five. The top three, yeah, you can debate it all you want. I got no problem with Acuna at one. Dude had a ridiculously historic season. Mookie and Aaron Judge. I mean, it's your choice, right? None of the. I don't think. Yeah, did Mookie? No, Mookie didn't win MVP. So it's like, yeah, pick your poison, right? But Mookie, the one thing I like now, he has that defensive versatility. I think that's a huge thing um, to be a top player, right? You're good defensively. Obviously, we know what he does offensively. So I got really no problem with the top three. But yeah, I would go those three. Acuna at one. Uh, Betts at two. Judge at three. Freddie at four. And Juan Soto at five, just because of Shohei's injury limitations this year. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. He'd have to have like an immaculate year hitting. Like I'm talking what Judge did, uh, when like he historical, won historical. Yeah, historic. Yeah. Because if all you're gonna do is hit, it does limit a little bit of the value there. I mean, I still think best player, arguably of all time, you know with when in his prime but yeah if he can't pitch i do think that hurts him a little the only thing i'll say matt is i'm gonna put Corey seager a little bit above juan soto um just because of the year he can't is coming off i mean just he hit went on a tear once he came back uh you know from the injury list and even into the postseason we saw how good he was, you know, how clutch of a player he was for that Texas team. Uh, the big home run especially comes to mind. So I don't know. that. That's why right now I, I do think in the long run, you're going to want Juan Soto over Corey Seager. 
But going into this season, I just think Corey Seager is playing his best ball right now. So I'm going to give the nod to Corey Seager over one Silva. Yeah, that's um, fair. I picked the Yankee. You picked your ex, your ex Dodger. We, we know, we know how we operate on this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, Matt, uh, why don't we get to wrapping up here? Um, who's our foolish fools of the week? Foolish fool of the week. I saw him in person actually, so I'm gonna go with Dan Munson. And for those of you that don't know, he is the head coach of the Long Beach basketball team. And the reason why I say that is because I have never seen, just from my time watching UH basketball, you know, NBA games at the Moda Center, I just haven't seen a coach throw a tantrum like how he did. <laughs> like It was just good to see because we're sitting in the front so we can hear everything. Like he was complaining to this ref for minutes <laughs> and i mean minutes <laughs> just kept complaining he said like this is literally what he said he said why did my team fly here for six hours and you guys don't call the game right because he was complaining about the fouls but then hunter looked up the game stats you know at the time he said that even though long beach had more free throw attempts than hawaii so what are you complaining about you look dumb because the, the numbers don't back up what you're saying and it, it was just a great show and then at the end of the game the uh band like they're winning the game uh band is kind of you know heckling long beach a little bit so i don't know if you played ncaa basketball like the last college basketball game on xbox they do like a chant where like the students yell warm up the bus warm like if your team is losing so they were doing that chant and Hunter and I, we played that game all the time. So we were jumping in there. Like, you know, we were yelling warm up at the bus from center court. <laughs> and then they were looking at, well, I don't know if they were looking at me, but they were definitely looking at Hunter because he was the loudest one there. But he was, they were giving us stink guy, you know, but, you know, Dan Munson was kind of leading the charge on that one. So I, I just thought it was funny. I guess he never played that game before. You know, it was all in good fun. But I, I just never seen a coach <laughs> get so mad at a ref for stats that actually back up that you're getting the calls so what are you complaining about so you look pretty dumb if you ask me so dan <laughs> munson you're the foolish fool of the week this week on the show <laughs> okay well yeah like i said state of the weight uh 808 matt uh nothing too needle moving um just shout out to the the hawaii teams holding it down so far so that's who i'm gonna say um, why don't you wrap us up here with our sports fact of the day? All right. We're recording on February 26th and haha, shocking. Going to pick a cowboy fact. Haven't heard that in about in a while, but in 1989, the Dallas Cowboys fired head coach Tom Landry after 29 years as the Dallas head coach. And then we all know what happens next. A guy by the name of Jimmy Johnson eventually takes over, brings on the triplets, and then this team goes on to win three more Super Bowls. So from Tom Landry, he passes the torch to the next great Dallas coach in Jimmy Johnson. But yeah, he was let go today after 29 years. Crazy. I don't think we'll ever see that again from a coach <laughs> coaching 29 years for a team in the NFL. Mm -hmm. okay well that was a good episode matt uh we'll wrap up here 
back with more basketball talk next week. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe, and we'll catch you guys later. Thank you.